Hey, it's Cody Woodard, pastor of Renovation Church in Gallatin, Tennessee. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. I hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Thank you so much again for joining us online today. If I haven't had the opportunity to talk with you or chat with you yet or meet you in person, my name is Cody Woodard. I'm the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. And if it's your first time, we would love to know about it. Make sure you drop your name in the comments. Um, One of our team members would love to reach out to you to get you connected because it really is our goal. It's our hope to help people follow Jesus and find community and discover your purpose and make a difference. And so no matter where you're watching from, we want to help you take those types of steps. And so let us know where you're watching from. The past couple of weeks, we've had people tune in from literally all over the country and even the world. We had someone from South Africa watch almost every single week. We've had people from the West Coast to the East Coast, from the North to the South, up in Canada, right? We've had people tuning in every week. And we just love to know that really because we love to see how God is using this season. And over the past couple of weeks, we have seen uh, lives being changed, marriages being healed. And we've heard some incredible stories. We've had people sign up to get baptized. And maybe that's you. If, you. if you've given your life to Christ or you've decided you wanna get baptized or you have a story about how God is redeeming your marriage, we would really love to know about it. So after this is all over, shoot us an email to stories at renovation.church. And so here's what I wanted to say before we jump into the message. I wanna tell you about our reopening, when we're gonna be together physically for the very first time. And that's gonna be on Father's Day. June 21st, we're gonna have two services on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. It's gonna be an incredible time, but we wanted to give you an opportunity before then as well. So here's what we're gonna do. On Saturday, June the 6th and Saturday, June the 13th at 7 p.m., we're gonna have about 75 people here, live audience for our final two weeks of relationship goals. So you're gonna hear more about that after the service on how you can get your tickets, and we would love to see you then. And so if you have missed the past two weeks of relationship goals, uh, we kicked off week one with really defining what the, the goal of every relationship is. And it's simple. The goal of every relationship is to be Christ-centered. The goal of every relationship is to be Christ-centered. Why? Because our relationships, our lives are centered around something. And so if you want a Christ-centered relationship one day, it starts with living a Christ-centered life now. And then last week we talked specifically to the singles. And so if that's you and you're single and you wanna raise your hand up in the comments, just don't be DMing nobody during the message. You can wait till after or friend them, short business. But we talked to the singles last week because there's this idea in the South that singleness is a sin, right? And so really the principles we talked about though are applicable to everyone. And so one of the things we talked about is how the goal of singleness isn't marriage. The goal of singleness is maturity, right? The goal of singleness isn't marriage. The goal of singleness is maturity. And what a lot of times we think is that marriage fixes all our problems. But what I talked about last week is how marriage doesn't fix your problems. It magnifies them. And if we're just being honest, most marital problems are actually singleness problems that were never solved. Most marital problems are not actually marital problems. They're singleness problems that were never solved. And see, what we talked about, no matter who you are, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're dating, the goal for all of us is to mature and to learn how to live on mission. To mature and to learn how to live on mission. 
And so today, before we jump in and I kind of share some thoughts with you, I just wanted to start this sermon with, with opening up the word. And so I'm gonna go to a really familiar passage for a lot of you. Uh, I would say, especially if you're married or if you've ever been to a wedding, this passage gets read all of the time. But I think it's gonna be helpful for us to help us really define what love is and maybe set some, some goals. And so we're gonna go to 1 Corinthians 13. I'm reading from the NIV version. If you, wanna, if you have your Bible, you can turn there with me. If not, uh, I'm gonna, it's gonna be available on the screen here. But we're gonna start in verse four. And here's what it says. It says that love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Verse eight, love never fails. Say that with me, love never fails. Put in the comments, love never fails. I wanna jump down to verse 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Men, you wanted a verse, you wanted an application. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And I wanted to start there because a lot of times as we talked about, we get our idea of love, we get our idea of relationships really from a young age. And we learn early on that they're complicated. But here's the deal, here's what happens over time. We have this fairy tale mentality about relationships, right? And fairy tales, if you've, ever, if you've ever watched any of them, I got a couple of favorites. I'm not gonna get into that today though. But if you ever watched a fairy tale, what's interesting about fairy tales is they always end on the wedding day. They always end with the, the celebration. The problem is, is that the wedding day isn't the finish line. The wedding day is actually the starting point. The wedding day is actually the starting point. So what they don't show you is the fights that happen two weeks later. They don't, want to go, they don't want to go there. They want it to end with the celebration and the wedding and it's a good time, but, but that's not all there is to marriage. Then you got kids. If you're having kids and then you got like nights where you don't get any sleep and then you're trying to figure out how to pay the bills and how to balance schedules, right? Like it's complicated. Relationships are are complicated, and so here's the deal. There's a lot of us that want grown-up relationships but are still having childlike behaviors. We never really grow up in our understanding of what relationships really are or what they require or what they take. We don't get a good definition of what love is and what love isn't, of what love is and what love isn't. And so let me just say it like this. The goal in our relationships isn't to fall in love. The goal is to stay in love. The goal isn't necessarily to fall in love. The goal is to stay in love. And so the question I wanna answer today is how do we? How do we stay in love? And so I titled this message, if you're taking notes, I titled this, When Relationships Don't Work. When Relationships Don't Work. Will you pray with me and then we'll dive in. God, thank you so much for today. And God, I just ask that you would do the work only you can do today. 
God, give us clarity, give us direction, give us a a clear picture of how we're supposed to love, how we're supposed to receive love. God, you say love never fails, but oftentimes we see relationships fail. And so God, I just ask that today you you would do something special. God, that you would give us a clear direction on where we're going and how to get there. So God, today I ask that your spirit would fall wherever people are watching from today, that you would speak directly to their heart. God, that your word never returns void. So today I ask that you would do the work only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So I was, getting, I was thinking about this idea um, the other day and how, I don't know, it's summer's approaching and, and people are starting to kind of plan trips as places are getting opened up. And it brought me back a couple of years ago when I was in college and me and my buddies decided to take this trip to, um, to Gulf Shores, Alabama. And as a kid, like I've, I've driven that from the time I was 16 all the way up till I was in, in my 20s when this trip happened, we would always go to Panama City. And so I was in Memphis and we got in the car and I'm driving and I'm like, I don't really need directions. Like I'm good. Like we all know we're all going to Gulf Shores. Well, what happened along the way is we're driving and we're having a good time. You know, we're listening to our music and, and all of a sudden we see, uh, we see like, welcome to, welcome to Florida. And they're like, Hey man, um, is is it Gulf Shores in Alabama? And I'm like, "Uh Oh, (laughs) Uh, I soon realized that I kind of did what was what I used to do, I kind of did just habitually what I had always driven and I decided to go to Florida instead of Alabama. I went in the wrong direction, right? Have you ever done that? Have you ever been driving somewhere and you, you realize like you went in the total wrong direction? I saw a, a movie that's like a classic. I don't necessarily recommend it for everybody, but I was watching this uh, a couple weeks ago. I was watching Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> and my favorite scene in the movie is when they realize that they went hundreds of miles in the wrong direction right? And they, they, they had this big argument and fight. And then they realized the briefcase has all the money in it. And then they change directions and they actually get to Aspen, right? But they, in order to get where they wanted to go, they first realized that they were going in the wrong direction. And so here's, what I, here's why I share that with you. Because a lot of times I think in relationships, when people get in them, they have this goal in mind. They have this vision of where they want to go. They have the right intentions, but they never get there. Why? Because that's not how your destination works. Your direction, not your intentions, determine your destination. So no matter how bad I wanted to get to Gulf Shores, I would never get to Gulf Shores if I was going in the wrong direction. And the truth is for some of us is we have a vision for our marriages. We have a vision for our relationships. We may start with the right intentions, but doesn't every relationship? I mean, I had the opportunity to, to, I've had the opportunity to do some premarital counseling with a couple people. And now let me say this. I don't, I don't pretend to be an expert by any means. Okay. I've been married for seven years. I do not have it all figured out. I got years and years to go, but a couple of people have asked me, will I give them some premarital counseling? And, and there's two questions I always ask at the very front of the session. And it's this, is why do you want to get married? That's the first question. And do you think you're ready to get married is the second one. And, and, and it's funny because I'll get these responses from people when I ask them the first question of like, why do you want to get married? And they'll say things like, well, because we're just in love. And, and they make me feel a way that I never thought I could feel before. Right, like they love me for me. 
They know everything that I'm thinking. We complete each other's sentences, right? So people will say that and they'll be like, that's why we, we want to get married. And so I'll tell them, I'll go, you know, I'm not saying any of that's a bad thing. But what I will tell you is that every relationship starts that way. That's the intention of every relationship, but over 50% of them don't work. Over 50% of marriages fail, whether you're Christian or not Christian. It's a statistic that's true across the board. Why? Because we have a vision, which is good. We start there with a vision, but the problem comes in is we never stop along the way to see if we're still going in the same direction. I love what this question that gets asked in Amos 3, it says this, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? It's this idea that when you're married specifically and you're unified in one person, that's the key to a healthy marriage, by the way, is you can be married, but not unified. Um, sometimes when you're married to people, you treat them more like a roommate than you do a spouse. You treat them more like it's a business arrangement rather than a covenant you've entered into. And, and so let me just say this, that, that God actually wants to unify your marriage, but anything God wants to unify, the enemy wants to divide. Anything in your life, specifically your relationships, when God says, I want to unify your relationships, the enemy is trying to figure out how to create division. And that's the idea of division. The D stands for like, for, for two people. It's separate and vision means direction. And so what the enemy is trying to get you to do is he's trying to get you to go into two different directions. And if, if you're married or you're in a relationship and you don't have the same vision, you'll probably never get there. And so it starts with this, like, what is your vision? What, what, what are your relationship goals? You gotta start there. But the problem is, is that once we kind of get going, we never take the time to actually evaluate what our, where our relationships are at. And see, this idea of like how your direction, not your intention, determines your destination, we get that in other areas of life. Like you get it if I say, hey, we're gonna take a trip to Florida and you wanna get on I-65 and go north, you'll never get there. So what we understand this concept in every other area of our life, but in relationships, for whatever reason, we, we tend to forget it. And we don't actually evaluate the direction of our lives. And so let me say this, your decisions determine your direction. Your decisions determine your direction. And so you gotta evaluate your decisions. And so here's why I think we don't. I think the truth is, is that we really all tend to believe these three myths. And the first one is this, I have experience. The reason why we don't take time to evaluate our current relationships is because we'll say things like, well, I, I got experience. I know, I know, I know. And so what I'll tell people when they're asking me for advice or they're coming to me for counsel, I'll start trying to speak some truth into their life. And then they'll be like, I know, I know, I know, I know what you're gonna say. I, I know, I get it. I got experience, right? And so just because you have experience doesn't mean you'll actually make the right decisions, Right, experience doesn't necessarily get better or you don't mature just over time. That just means you're getting older, but that doesn't mean you're getting wiser. I know a lot of people who are, who are grown but still act like kids. So just because you're getting older and have more experience doesn't mean you're wiser. Here's the second myth is I know better. I know, Cody, I know. I know what to do. But here's the deal. Knowing better and doing better don't always equal out. 
Just because you know better doesn't mean you'll do better. It's amazing when I have conversations with people and they'll ask me these questions of like, how far is too far? And, and is it okay if, if I do this with my boyfriend? Is it okay if I do this with my girlfriend? And, and the truth is, is they know better, but that doesn't mean they always do better. And so we actually will assume that because we know better, we'll automatically make the right decision and we'll automatically win against the temptation. And so Knowing better doesn't always equal doing better. And so here's the third reason why we need to evaluate our relationships and why really we tend not to. Here's the third myth is you don't have time. And what I mean by that is people will say and they'll rush into relationships because they feel like time is against them. I, I meet people all the time that are, that are single and, and, and 25, 30, 35, 40. And, and they believe this, I'm running out of time because everyone else around me is already in this next phase that I wanna be in. And the hardest thing to convince people of, the hardest thing is that time is actually your friend. No one ever jumps into a marriage like, man, I'm so glad we rushed this, <laughs> right? Like, no, 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 people will go, man, I, I wish I would have just waited a little bit longer. And so let me just say that to you, don't rush into a relationship. Take the time, breathe. And here's what will happen over time. If you'll, if you'll just pause for a second and you'll believe me when I tell you that time is your friend, you'll begin to hear things that you weren't able to hear before. And you'll be able to get to see things about them and about you and about relationships that you didn't see before. And eventually you'll be able to own things that you can't own right now. And so I just wanna tell you, time is your friend. But if we're gonna have healthy relationships, we have to evaluate our relationships. And so today, here's what I wanna do. I, I wanna maybe give you the first step in, in maybe helping you make some progress in your relationships so that your relationships don't fail, so they don't, so that they can work, right? And the reason why I just wanna focus on this one today is because I really do believe if you can get this one, the other ones will fall into place. And so I wanna take you to Romans chapter 12. And this is where Paul is, is writing to the church in Rome. And he said a lot up until this point. There's 11 other chapters before that. There's a half the letter is before that. And so we don't have time to get into all that today. But if you wanna read that, go ahead and read it. But he, he, he comes to this crucial point in chapter 12 where he's trying to, He's trying to convince them. He's trying to urge them because what he's about to say goes completely against culture. And so before I tell you what this step looks like, before I tell you, I just want you to know it's gonna go against culture. And so here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse one, says this, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He says, therefore I urge you, I plead with you, I beg with you. Why? Because what he's about to tell them goes against everything they've been taught everything that they've learned. He says, I urge you, I plead with you. Why? He says, in view of God's mercy, in light of everything that God has done for you. I wanna urge you today, in light of everything that God has done for you, not just for the fact that he's forgiven your past sins, but that he's forgiven your present sins for your future sins. In light of everything that, that God has done for you, 
Here's what he says. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, you and I don't really get this whole idea of sacrifices because we don't really do that anymore. But when Paul was talking to them at the time, they would have known all about sacrifices because really probably all of them had either made them or seen them being made. And so what he's saying is, is the time for sacrifices is over. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to climb up on the altar and I want you to offer your own life. I want you to write a blank check with your life to God. Why? In light of everything that he has done for you. I want you to surrender your life on the altar and say, God, I am, I'm yours. To surrender your life on the altar. And then he says this, he says, this is your true and proper worship. Here's why. Because it's your true and proper worship. Now, if you do a little study about that word true and proper it comes from this idea, the Greek root there, where we get the idea of logic. And so what, what Paul is urging them to do, he argues and he says, it's the most logical thing you can do. Because of what he's done for you, not what you can get from him, but because of what he's already done for you, the most logical thing you can do with your life is to lay it down on the altar, to write a blank check and say, God, I am yours that I'm yours. And he says that it's pleasing and good. Says that it's pleasing and good. Go back to that verse again. Says that it's holy and pleasing to God. That this is what God wants from you. He wants your life. Why? Because he gave you his. So the best thing, the most logical thing you can do with your life, if you're watching this right now, is to surrender your life to Jesus. To be a living sacrifice. And then he says this in Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. So this is the how, okay? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Well, what's the pattern of this world? The pattern of this world is it's the lust of the eyes, it's the lust of the flesh, and it's the pride of life. It's that I should be able to get what I see, what makes me feel good because I deserve it. The pattern of this world is the, the nursery rhyme. The pattern of relationships is the nursery rhyme where it's like Cody and Jessica sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes baby in the baby carriage, right? Like that's the cultural pattern that we've been taught since we were little kids. But the other cultural reality in our world today is even that sometimes isn't the pattern. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes baby in the baby carriage. Sometimes what happens now is that gets flipped. And, and sometimes it becomes first comes baby, then comes marriage because I'm obligated and then God, please help me love them. So it's the pattern of this world. He's saying, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. What's he trying to get you to do? He's trying to get you to resist the pattern. He's trying to get you to resist the pattern. That if you don't wanna fall into the pattern of this world, you gotta be able to resist the pattern of this world. If you don't want the same results you've been getting in all of your relationships, then you're gonna to have to do something different in your relationships. 
Insanity, the definition of it is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. For some of us are living these insanely crazy relationships thinking that because my intention is right, I'll get to the destination. But it's not about your intention. It's about your direction. And what informs your directions are your decisions. And so you gotta learn to resist the pattern of this world. Resist the pattern. How? He says, to, by being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't conform to the pattern. Don't just go with the flow. Don't just do what everybody else is doing. Don't just keep doing things the way you've always done them and expecting to get to a different destination. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, here's, here's why we don't like that word. We don't like the word transformation. We like the idea of transformation, but what we soon realize is that transformation takes time. And the pattern of this world is we want things quick, fast, and in a hurry. We want things when we want them. We want to experience the, the marriage before we actually ever experience dating. We, we, want to, we want to experience all of the benefits of marriage without actually making the commitment to be married, the covenant to be married. We want to experience all of the feels we want to experience that feeling of what love is like. Like we said the first week, love isn't a feeling. Love is a command. Love is, is a choice that we get to make. And so transformation, if you're going to get better, if you're going to go into a different direction, transformation takes time. And so maybe today when you're, when you're watching this right now or listening to it on the podcast, you may feel like your intention started right. You had a vision for your life, but somewhere along the lines, you've been divided and now you're going in the opposite direction and that's okay. But just understand that if you're going to change directions, it's going to take time to get to the destination. That when you've made mistakes, there's consequences to that mistake. Transformation takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And so the first thing you got to do is you got to resist the pattern. But the second thing you have to do is you got to reverse it. Somebody put in the chat, reverse the pattern. You got to learn how to reverse the pattern. So if the pattern is, as we've talked about, you got to find the one, you got to fall in love with the one, and then you got to fix all of your hopes and dreams around the one. Flipping the pattern would be, no, I'm going to actually decide who God's called me to be. I'm going to know who I am. I'm going to discover my purpose and know how I can make a difference. I'm going to know my calling and my gifts. Then I'm going to choose to love other people because of the way God's loved me. So instead of always focusing on trying to fall in love and experience a feeling, now you're saying, no, 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 I don't live for love. I live from love. And so I know who I am. I know who God's called me to be. I know how I've been loved. So now I can love others as, as God's loved me. And then you make the decision if there's someone that you want to spend the rest of your life choosing to love. Somebody put it in the comments. You got to reverse the pattern. You got to reverse the pattern. I want to go back to the, I want to go back to the road trip because I think this will be helpful. There was another time when I was, um, I was driving and we were going to Orlando, Florida. I'm always going to Florida. I love the beach. Anybody love the beach? Come on, somebody. Um, I was going to Orlando, Florida for this summer project and on the way I ran out of gas. <laughs> you ever run out of gas before? 
Who are the people right now? I need you to just put them in the comments, even though I can't see them. Who are the people that let their tank get on dead E? The red light comes on. Your, your radar tells you exactly how much gas you have left, how many miles you have left. How many of you just love to push the limits? That's me. I love to push it. I'm like, I, I can go a little further, right? You're trying to get every drop of gas out of that tank before you can fill it up. Then there's others of you. Some of you may be this person that when the gas gets half empty, you're like, I gotta fill it up now. Because you always, you just love the satisfaction of having the, the tank on, on full. Right now, when I broke down, when I ran out of gas to Florida, let me tell you what I didn't do. When I ran out of gas, we didn't just leave my car on the side of the road and, and, and dip out and go buy a new one. Right, why? Because the car wasn't broken, it just needed gas. Let me say this. Some of us are treating relationships like cars that run out of gas. We're calling them broken. We think they're broken beyond repair. And so what we'll do, the pattern of culture is, I'm gonna leave my relationship over here and I'm just gonna go get a new one. I'm just gonna go buy a new relationship. And maybe the problem isn't that your relationship is broken. Maybe you just ran out of gas. Maybe your relationship needs some time to, to take a step back and to get honest and go, you know, I, I'm running on fumes. So you gotta refill the tank. You gotta refill the tank. And here's why. If you don't want your relationship to fail, if you want your relationship to work, you gotta work. Let me say that again. If you want your relationships to work, you gotta work. And so let me say it like this. If you fail to work on your relationships, your relationships will fail to work. They, they take work. And some of us are thinking that we can just get married and, and the gas is full and we can get to the destination. We can get to our goal in our relationship on one tank of gas. Eventually, what you're gonna discover is that your relationship, you'll, you'll run out of gas and then you start to look around and you blame the other person for the problem. Maybe the relationship feels broken right now is because you haven't gassed it back up. You need to take time to spin with one another, to get honest about your emotions, to get honest about your feelings, to get honest about what are your goals now because those change in different phases of life. To step back and evaluate and not believe the myth that like, I know better and I got experience and now we gotta rush this thing. But instead go, no, I'm gonna step back and, and, and let's just be honest and, and, and how, can we, how can we refill the tank in our relationship? And I'm not just talking about marriages, I'm talking about dating, but the problem is a lot of times as we separate those two, and here's what I would say, just some advice. If you're married, you still gotta date. <laughs> the difference in dating and marriage is marriage is you're dating the same person for the rest of your life. And that's actually why a lot of problems happen in relationships is because you stop dating each other. You stop having fun. We're gonna talk about that in a couple of weeks of what fun in marriage actually looks like, and it's fun. But you gotta you got you got step back and go, you know, we gotta be honest about our relationship. We gotta refill the tank. We got to refill the tank. Somebody put in the chats, refill the tank. Because if you fail to work on your relationship, your relationship will fail to work. And then Romans 12, two says this. It says, then, next verse, then you will be able. Somebody say then. Once you offer your life and surrender it to God, once you offer your relationship 
and you say, God, I surrender everything to you. I give you my life. I'm gonna live on mission for you. He says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That you got to resist the pattern. And when you resist the pattern, then you gotta reverse the pattern. And then you gotta fill up the tank. And when you do that, then you're able to experience what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And, and I just want to say that again, his good and pleasing and perfect will. A lot of times the reason we don't experience God's will for our life is because we think our will is better. We don't really know if God's will is good. And it sure doesn't seem ple pleasing. We think our way will bring us more satisfaction. But you need to know, God is good. He's always good. He never, he's never been bad and he never will be. He wants us to win in our relationships. He doesn't want your relationship to fail. But if you refuse to work on your relationship, your relationship won't work. It says it's good and, and pleasing. God's way is better than your way. I promise you, God's way is better than your way. His way is perfect, your way isn't. If your way was perfect, then you would only have one relationship, one dating relationship for your whole life. Most of us don't. We're not perfect people. And so his will is good, pleasing, and perfect. And so... Let me get practical for you here for a second. I, I wanna talk about then that step. Okay, so we resist the pattern, we reverse the pattern and we fill the tank. But then what do we actually work on? Like, what is the thing? What can we work on? What's the practical things that will actually make your relationship better? What are the things you work on so that your relationship will work? Let me go back to 1 Corinthians 13. I read it at the front. It says this. It says, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes and it always perseveres. Let me give you four always that lead to an incredible never. Four always that lead to an incredible never. And the first one is this, that love always protects. Love always protects. Now, I don't know what you think about when you think about that, but for me, it just automatically comes like the Under Armour slogan of like, we must protect this house, right? Like, I think of the man, like I think of me, if I go downtown with my wife, like I'm just looking around like, yeah, I wish you would. Me and you gonna have problems. This is my girl, I'm a protector. I'm gonna beat you up. Try me, test me, let's go, right? Like, it's, but let me say this, protection in a relationship is more than just physical, it's emotional. It's our jobs to protect the emotional health of our relationship. It's our job to provide a safe place for us to process our emotions and feelings. That we're to protect and to guard each other's heart. That we're to protect each other from falling into temptation. We're to get honest with each other and to evaluate our relationship. And so if you never want your relationship to fail, you always have to protect. Let me give you the second always. Love always trust. Let me give you the third one too. Love always hopes. Love always trust and love always hopes. 
And the reason I put those two together is because I think you gotta have trust before you have hope. Because you'll never have hope for something with someone you don't trust in. And so oftentimes the reasons why relationships fail is because there's no trust. And so real quick, let me just give you three ways that you can begin to build trust in your relationship. And, and the first one is communication. You gotta talk, you gotta communicate. That's what builds, it builds trust. You, you, you gotta communicate and be open about how you're feeling and, and actually care about what they're talking about, right? I was on the phone the other day talking to a friend of mine and tell him about all that God is doing in our church right now. And I'm just going on and on and on. He's quiet, he's listening. And then all of a sudden my phone rings and it's him because <laughs> we lost signal, right? And this whole time I thought I was saying things that he was hearing. But the problem was, was we lost signal. The same thing is true in your relationships. You can be talking to somebody, but you may lose signal and they don't even know what you're saying. And the reason they may not know what you're saying is because trust has been broken. And so now they ain't even listening to what you got to say because they don't trust anything that comes out of your mouth. So you gotta communicate. And the way you build trust is consistency. You don't just talk about it one time. You don't just talk about your expectations for marriage before you get married. You have to be consistent. And so many of our relationships aren't consistent. We're like, we love you one day and we're leaving you the next. If you wanna build trust in your relationship, you gotta be consistent. And the third one is this, you gotta care. You actually have to care about the other person. You gotta care about their thoughts. You, you gotta care about how to love them. The golden rule is to do unto others as you would have them do to you. I would say the platinum rule is you gotta love others the way they wanna be loved. A lot of times the reason why trust isn't happening, the reason why relationships fail is because you're loving them the way you wanna be loved, not the way they wanna be loved. So a good resource for you is the five love languages, <laughs> right? Mine are, mine are quality, touch, and physical time. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's physical time and words of affirmation. Right, if my wife wants to make me, make me feel love, she's gonna come up and cuddle with me, okay? I'm just gonna leave it there for the married people. Uh, and then to tell me she loves me, to affirm me. But guess what? That ain't how she wants to be loved. Her love languages are quality time and words of affirmation and gifts. Sir, is that all of them? I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Her, her, her love languages are, are quality time and acts of service. She feels love when we just spend time together and I'm actually present. And so if I want my wife to trust me, if I want her to have hope in our relationship, I gotta meet her where she's at. I gotta love her the way she wants to be loved, not just the way I wanna be loved. That's what we call a selfish love. It's not about me, it's about her. It's what it means to honor her and to love her, to consider her needs before my own. You gotta love them the way they wanna be loved. And, and so I wrote this down about hope. Let me just kind of give you a biblical definition of hope. A, a definition of hope when it comes to your marriage is this. Hope is a constant expectation that our God is working even when we can't sense him. It's the expectation I just wanna share with you right now in your marriage that there is still hope for your future, that it ain't over, that the best really is yet to come. Why? Because if you're in Christ, there is always hope for your future. He can redeem anything. If he can raise from a grave, you don't think he can raise your relationship back to life? Love always protects. 
It always trusts. It always hopes. And then here's the fourth one. Love always perseveres. Never gives up. It's not just about falling in love. It's about staying in love. And love is a choice. Love is a commitment. And you can make it through this season. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't give up because you have what it takes. If you're in Christ, the Spirit of God is inside of you. And we know this because of what 1 Corinthians 13 says. It says this. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. Jesus is not proud. Jesus does not dishonor others. Jesus is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus always protects. He always trusts. He always hopes. He always perseveres. Jesus never fails. He never fails. So your relationships, they don't have to fail. If you want a relationship that never fails, if you want a relationship that perseveres to the end, you gotta always protect, you gotta always trust, you gotta always hope. You always gotta persevere, don't give up because you have a God that didn't give up on you. You have a God who is trustworthy. You have a God who is patient. You have a God who is kind. And so if you don't want your relationships to fail, you gotta start asking yourselves, okay, if, if Jesus, if you're the model, then which one of these areas do I need to work on so that my relationship will work? Friends, God loves you. He's not angry with you. He's not mad at you. He's not disappointed with you. He's not rushing this thing, so you don't have to either. He's patient and kind. He doesn't delight in evil. He rejoices with the truth. He will always protect you. Let that sink in. What the enemy tries to separate, Jesus will always, he'll protect you. The enemy has no power unless you give it to him. You can always trust Jesus. You can always be honest with him. You can always open up to him about where you're at. And you can stand secure today knowing that there is hope for your future because there is hope in Christ. That he never fails and he never quits, up on, quits on you. So don't quit on them. Don't quit on you. And don't quit on God. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, help us work on our relationships so that our relationships can work. God, help us resist the pattern of this world. God, we want something better. We want something more. God, help us make the right decisions that determine our direction that get us to the destination that you would have for us. God, help us love people the way you love us. Help us be patient and kind. God, help us always protect, trust, and hope. Help us persevere. 
because you persevered for us. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for not giving up. Thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for forgiving me for my sin. God, thank you for showing me what love is so now I can love. And today, if you, if you haven't wrote that check with your life, if you haven't surrendered your life, if you haven't laid up on the altar and said, God, I, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my relationships with you. I wanna give you the opportunity to do that. I wanna give you the opportunity to make Christ the center of your life so that you can know his good, pleasing and perfect will for your life. There's hope for the future. So if that's you, I'd love for you to pray this with me. Say, God, I love you. I give you my life. Today, I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again from the grave so that I can be forgiven, so that I can be free, so that my relationships can work. God, I thank you. You never quit on me and I will never quit on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, we would love to know about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. I would love to personally connect with you. But the truth is, is we all have a next step. And here's what I would encourage you. Don't do it alone. Get involved in a group. Jump on a dream team. Get involved in serving. Figure out what God's created you to do. Use this season to live a Christ-centered life, to mature in your faith, and to live on mission. We love you, and we can't wait to see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. I hope it encouraged you. We would love the opportunity to pray for you. Send an email to info at renovation.church. And if you would like to partner with us financially and help us reach people with the message of Jesus, you can do so at renovation.church give. Have a great day.